0: Welcome everyone to Series 2, Episode 12. Uh, How is everyone going tonight? Let's have a quick look and see who is in the chat room. Let me have a look. Who have we got? Say hello if you're in the chat room so I can see you. Julie, first and foremost, woohoo, welcome, welcome, DTY, hello, hello, howdy to John Baxter, all the way from South Australia, welcome, and Oz Fox, all the way from Victoria, how are you going Oz Fox, good to see you tonight, and Kitty Cash, welcome, thanks for joining us tonight, that's awesome, hey, and all the way from Texas in America, Houston, Texas Dave, my newest Patreon, thanks for joining us mate, very early for you over there in uh, Texas, thank you righty, Darren Archer up in Queensland, thank you for joining us. Hopefully we can keep you entertained a little this evening. And Elaney joining us on YouTube, thank you for taking the time. That's awesome, thank you. Tim Casho is here as well. That's wicked cool. Alrighty, we got Matt Godwin in the uh, chat room on Facebook, thank you very much. And Hev Walker, thank you. That is cool, thank you for joining us. Who else have we got? Oh, Fitzy from ACT, thank you. And Mel, nice, thank you. And Andrew Bush, oh, all the way from New Zealand. Thanks for joining us, mate. That's great. That's awesome. All righty, guys. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us tonight. And welcome to the replay, viewers and listeners. Thank you for joining. Uh, tonight, I have ver- three very special guests who have agreed to put themselves out there in the public forum. Uh, I know you're all a respectful bunch of people, uh, as geocaches usually are, and I'm not expecting any sledging or, uh, you know, disrespectful comments tonight. So uh, any smart answer and you'll be kicked out, let me tell you, we will not tolerate any disrespectful behaviour. So thank you for being respectful to our guests tonight uh feel free to chat amongst yourself but it is a children's show so keep it pg of course uh the moderator is keeping an eye out for any uh disrespectful language or behavior and they will kick you out uh so yes please be respectful thank you moderator for doing that job uh tonight uh, we have another winner for the gdu calendar photo of the month so stay tuned for the announcement at the end of the show for that one we also have another two awesome prizes, thanks to John and Dai, our friends and our sponsor at geostoff.com.au. Stay tuned for the draw. That will be towards the end of the show and it will be worth it. If you were keeping an eye on the socials, you will have seen uh, what is up for grabs and it is pretty awesome. Awesome. Okay, so thank you to all of our Patreons and a special thanks to Laney at LK Consulting Group for the Marketing Mentoring and coaching program couldn't do it without you geostaff.com.au for their ongoing support with prizes each month you guys are legends thank you and a big special thanks to my mum for her support uh she is helping to pay for some of the podcasts so i can bring the show to you every month and entertain you for a little hour that is exciting now for a little bit of gdu news uh very exciting news actually in regards to the podcast Earlier in the week, I was actually interviewed on a Swedish podcast called Found It. Uh, That episode should be out in the coming week or so, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, I will let everyone know when it's live, so you can go and have a little listen if you'd like. Uh, And Patrick from Found It podcast, he is also looking to chat with more Aussies and just share their geocaching experiences, you know, being on the opposite side of the planet, like to know... uh, what we do for geocaching down here so if you would like to be on a foreign podcast just simply reach out to me and i will pass your name on to patrick uh it's just an audio podcast that one so you don't have to do your hair (laughs) but that's pretty exciting for gdu going global that's so exciting so by now you all should have a preferred drink in hand maybe even dinner in your lap and be ready to enjoy the show so let's get this show started for you all Sit back, relax, and let's go.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, muggles and geocaches, a big g'day from USA. I'm coming to you from New Jersey, and I do miss you all. Meanwhile, is that time of the month, the time for PCE and the Geocaching Down Under podcast.
0: Uh, thanks, SMS. That's awesome. Thank you for that intro. Okay, guys, well, as you know, I am Purple Cash Eater and tonight I am joined by John Techingal and Matt, who are three Aussie reviewers. If you've got any genuine and respectful questions, please put them into the chat and I will get them displayed on the screen. So without further ado, here are the three superstars of my show. Please welcome Ministro Techingal and Tidalik. Welcome, guys. Thank you for joining us.
2: Hey, Terry.
0: Hello! Oh, that's awesome. Thank you all so much for being here tonight. That's it's really a, a big thing for the podcast, and thank you very much for being out there and uh, dealing with the public one on one. I know it's not always easy. He's uh, typically hiding. Oh, he's obviously yeah, hiding his face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure he will come back to us in a moment. So yep. what I'll do is I'll start off nice and easy, and we'll go around the room so you've all got a chance. Uh, but. Basically, the, the first question really is, uh, how did you become a reviewer? So let's start with you, Matt, seeing as you're at the top of my screen.
2: Uh, yeah, look, I was asked by um, one of the existing reviewers, The Ump, for the, the older people, I guess, in the chat or, or online would probably remember The Ump, um, to come in and, and give uh, both him and John a bit of a hand uh, back in the early days, back in 2011.
0: Oh, nice. Excellent. And uh, how about yourself, touching
3: Bare left. Uh, well, the same as um, what Matt was saying. He called me up and he was walking away from it at that stage and he asked me if I would take over South Australia in 2013.
0: Okay. Nice. All righty. That's great. Excellent. And Tidalig, if you can hear me, how did you become a reviewer? Nope. Hard to hear you. Oh, well. <laughs> All good. So we he said, were... "Cry made his audio." <laughs> yes, typical. Typical. It's always something technical, isn't it? All right. Well, let's move on. So you sort of answered our questions there, Tetchingle. But uh, Matt, when did you become a reviewer, or how long? Uh, I
2: had to look. I had to look that up tonight. So I've just, I've just ticked over ten years this year. So uh, June twenty eleven was when I came on board as a reviewer. So a while.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's good. Uh, And how about you, Touching Girl?
3: When did you become a reviewer? Uh, 17th of March, 2013.
0: 17th of March. Oh, that's very specific.
3: (laughs) Yeah, well, it was my profile up today. (laughs)
0: Ah, okay. That's awesome. That's awesome.
3: Cool. All
0: right. Um, Titelik, if you can hear us, uh, we can't hear you, but just jump in and let me know when you are back online and we will circle back to you. So basically, just on to another easy question for you all, um, how did you come up with your reviewer name? So I might start with you, Matt, again.
2: Yeah, yeah. So my my reviewer name is Latin, and it means to serve. So um, I'm a ex-private school boy, um, so a bit of a Latin background. And back in those days, um, you know, there, was, there seemed to be a bit of Latin usernames around, so I chose Ministro. Um, simply for that reason. So. Excellent,
0: excellent. Okay. And uh Touching Girl, how did you come up with your name?
3: I wanted to do something that would be identifiable as Australian and I wanted to link with the Southern Cross. And um, there was also another consideration. I really wanted to honour a caching legend that was a great friend and a wonderful member of the community called Dax Emu Mob back in those days. Okay. And I wanted to remember the many places I'd been like Emu Fields and uh, at home i've actually got a pair of emus out in the garden as a sculpture so wow. and parrots my caching wow. name so it just all wrapped up around together
0: <laughs> oh that's <laughs> handy no that's good it's it's good picking a name that really uh, ties in with uh, with you, yourself and your personality so that's awesome thank you for sharing um so hopefully this is another easy question for you uh, but basically what do you like about being a reviewer so i might just uh, stick with you taching girl
3: I, like, well, I really like the administrative side and the history of caching. I like the social interaction with HQ and the other reviewers around the world, getting to talk to them. I like it when I went to America and did the block party and I think we've even got a picture of me hanging out with a whole pile of other reviewers.
0: Yeah, let me and,
3: uh, put that up um, there for you. Hang on one second. Yep. There you go. So, yeah, uh, yes, it's... It's just a different side to caching, actually, being on that administrative side and dealing with HQ and dealing with other people who do the same sort of tasks that, like, me and Matt and uh, Tiddalik are doing.
0: It's almost like a behind the scenes.
3: It certainly is. (laughs) It's a whole different aspect of caching.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And how about you, uh, you, Ministro? How do you like to be a reviewer?
2: yeah look I guess much the same for me. I'm a bit of a social cacher, so I like to catch up with people and and meet up with people but um for me it was also a chance to try and shape the game a, a little bit you know Hq often um, often give us sort of uh, some some uh, chances to to give feedback as, around the game and so I've really probably enjoyed being able to sort of shape some of the things that have happened uh, throughout it uh, throughout the um throughout my time so and I have to have to have to give a a shout out to Andrew for the uh, nice call on the Obey t-shirt so thank you.
0: Ashbush mate that's there you go. Yep. Awesome. Um, So while I've got you there Matt um, what is it like being a reviewer?
2: Look it has its challenges Um, there are certainly when I first came on board you know we were publishing uh, many thousands of cases per year so it can be a grind you know the, the times on a Sunday night when you just want to sit down and have a bit of time with the family or whatever before you hook into a week and you open up the queue and everyone's had a busy weekend and and is you know really looking forward to seeing their prize creations grow some life um that can be that can be tough but Look, all in all, I have to say it's been it's been really, really positive. The number of negative sort of um, connections that I've had over the ten years, you know, could probably count on one hand. So, um, it, it's it's certainly been good, and and I enjoy, um, you know, that we've been able to take the game um, that that little bit further and and bring some really cool things to to the play. So that's
0: awesome. And uh, how about you, Tetchingle? What's it like being a reviewer for you? Um, I don't
3: know. I think like. I certainly um, ha- have enjoyed the experience of that. Um, I think te- the challenging part for me is dealing with the expectations of the guidelines and how they're interpreted by our clients. You can say by the people who put out cases. That's that's the big challenge.
0: Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Um, I'm you know. just going to check in with Tidalek. Can we hear you, Tidalek? Can you hear hey. us? No, nope, not yet. All right. No, no. <laughs> Oh, that's not a worry. Just to give a quick shout-out, I had a couple more people join in. So, Andrew McMillan, thank you for joining us. Elizabeth Shaw, thank you. And Tim, all the way from Queensland, thank you for joining us. That's awesome. So, let's move on to the next question. This is a nice, easy one. So, whoever jumps in first can answer this one. But uh, is there a limit of how many reviewers you can have in Australia? I
1: think
2: it's about consistency, right? If you have... If you had lots of people, you know, we could certainly um, probably get people's cases out to them quicker, but you then run into problems around managing consistency and managing um, sort of the area well and in the same way. So we've kind of built a team that is able to support each other and, and get cases published um, well before the expectations set out by HQ, but um, it allows us to make sure that we're all doing the same thing. So, ah, great,
0: great, excellent. Uh, now, can you recruit yourselves, or does that have to go through HQ?
2: Yeah, the process we can't talk about too much, but um, we we certainly have uh, have a big say in the process. Okay, that's all right. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah.
0: Um. And well, <laughs> I'm sure it's not an easy job. But uh, did you get any training, or were you just chucked in the deep end?
2: I'll let, let Andrew answer that one because uh he was trained by myself. So we'll see how he goes for this one. <laughs>
0: well, this could be telling.
2: <laughs> oh, and he's dropped off.
0: That'd be right. That'd be right. Just when he was in the spotlight. Oh dear. You right. his...
2: So we, we, we certainly do. You know, you mm-hmm. can be a you can be a Keisha of many, many years experience, but um not everyone kind of has that deep understanding of the guidelines and the help center. Um there's a lot to learn. Um our most recent um, a reviewer in Queensland kind of had a bit of a shock, mm. I guess, for the first six months that um, you know trying to take it all in and understand it and consider it every single case listing mm. can be challenging. But there's certainly a, cha- a training period and a fair degree of uh, support and you know lots of Zoom calls backwards and forwards and sharing screens and technology is pretty good these days to be able to do all that sort of stuff.
0: Oh, there we go. He's back. Let me bring him back. There
3: I jumped out. <laughs> I mean, I was there the next minute I dropped
2: out. <laughs> it was your
0: moment to shine. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, dear.
3: Are we so, still question of, of, of how we dropped in it or have we moved on?
0: <laughs> no, no, we haven't moved on. Uh, I just wanted to know, really, um, did you have any training or were you chucked in the deep end uh, when you became a reviewer?
3: I, I was definitely dropped in the deep end when I became a reviewer. Um, I think he'd had enough by then and uh, I got about two hours of training and uh, it was a very frustrating time for me for the first six months. I, I wouldn't have been able to do it without Matt. The only reason I'm here now is because Matt was a, such an incredible fallback for me and he carried me through some difficult times when I was learning the ropes. Oh, and, uh, yeah, so, and I think there's another one. John started just after me as well and me and John, because we were new, we used to bounce stuff off each other um, but there's a there's a marvellous amount of support behind us. You know, we can talk to other reviewers and, you know, we have people at HQ that we can talk to as well when we don't really understand what's going on or we need some assistance. And there's heaps of reference material available. Oh, yeah. yeah, I bet there would be.
0: Well, you've been doing it for a while. Now, has the job changed over the years or is it uh, similar to, to when you started?
3: I'm jumping in. Oh, for me, it's remarkably different now. I mean, we're all talking about mint tins and power trails, and I think like pole caches are the latest fad in a tree, you know, like such. It was very much an exploration thing when I first started. Like, let's go and find something unique or get taken somewhere you'd never been before. But now, yeah, like Matt says, you can open up your thing and there's a thousand caches to be reviewed in one night. Yeah, when I started, it took me six months to find 50 caches. I just had to drive two and a half hours to find a cache up in Blackwood from Elizabeth.
0: Yep. Oh, dear. That's awesome. Excellent. Um, how about you, uh, Matt? Have you found it to be different to when you started the job?
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The guidelines The guidelines are forever changing, Um you know, one of the things, and I'm sure we'll talk about guidelines later, but, you know, somebody that hit a case five, three years ago, two years ago, potentially the guidelines could look very different to them today. But, um, you know, power trials weren't even allowed back when I first started oh. reviewing. There was specific specific things in the guidelines to exclude power trials. Um, okay. uh, but, yeah, look, the just the um, – I, I think – the move to a much more mobile um, community who are online all of the time there there does seem to be a bit more of an expectation of you know uh, instantaneous sort of action whenever they publish something you Know I quite often get notes from especially younger enthusiastic cases that, no, if you haven't published the case in the first 30 minutes, you've got five other notes saying, When's this going to happen? When's this going to happen? Yeah, and, that's they're right. yeah, um, and they're just excited. Yeah, and they're so they... used
0: to that instant world, you know, with Messenger and yeah. all of that, you know, it's just instant responses. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, but um, the, older, the older hats, you know, that have been around for a while understand that it does take a little while and sometimes they might make a mistake and there's a bit of backwards and forwards. So yeah. um, it's pretty good.
0: Oh, that's okay. Okay. Yeah. So just, yeah, with the changing of times and technology, it has evolved a little bit. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, well, um, I might move on then to just sort of a generic uh, reviewer question, really. Um, might be easy to answer, it might be difficult, I'm not sure. Uh, but what is the process of publishing a cache?
3: I like the answer that you got in that. That sums it up beautifully. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: So it's just it is just literally making sure it meets the guidelines we go through and check a whole heap of things so you know does the case size kind of meet what they've described as the case size does it does it look like it's in the logical spot you'd be amazed at how many people say oh my case is at the beach and they've you know made a mistake in the cohorts and it's sitting at mount Isa or something like that um (laughs) i love that There's a whole you love it when logic. they get the parking
3: coordinates wrong don't you and they're in japan so the case yeah. is in south australia <laughs> and the car park is in japan yep, yep. <laughs> oh,
2: dear. yeah so so it's then just checking it down to make sure that it meets things you know that if it's a multi it's at the poster there's something at the posted cohorts if it's a puzzle and you know um, it meets the requirements for a puzzle but yeah. you know largely it is literally just Comparing the case against the knowledge that we've got in our heads and and against the guidelines and mm-hmm. um, you know the making sure that it, it meets the requirements. Mm-hmm. I think the the more challenging sort of ones are things like challenge cases. Mm-hmm. Um, and we well, I'll say we. I literally open the challenge guidelines for every challenge yeah. case and I review it against that because, you know, if somebody comes to me and says can I have this challenge cache? All we do is we go and open up the guidelines and go, no, sorry, you can't have it because of this point, or yes, you can have it. Um, so mm-hmm. when we're reviewing cases, that's really all we're doing is checking it against all the guidelines and the help center detail and making sure that it fits. And that's hopefully we can press the magic green button and send a whole heap mm-hmm. of people careering off into wherever to try and find a, a newly published cache.
3: Oh, that's awesome. I I always find the biggest delay to cache publication is the person who submitted the cache because if if they haven't just followed the simple guidelines, especially like the communication, you know, if there's nothing, if I can't see anything, then the cache is going back to be explained to me where it's hidden and why it's hidden and stuff like that. So, you know, sometimes caches go backwards and forwards and that's the biggest delay is that, you know, if you've taken all the time to set up a cache and prepare it and create a cache page, surely you can take a couple of minutes to write a reviewer note that says this is where I placed it, this is what the container is like, you know, this is how it's been hidden. And even if people stand back and look, you know, what's the reviewer going to ask me about when they look at this themselves and say, you know, what's that? So if I include that in the notes, then there's a good chance you'll be able to hit that button straight away.
2: Absolutely, yep. yeah. That's great. And I often I often say with people you can be as sneaky as you want with the, the people that you're hiding the case for, but just be as open and honest as you can be with the reviewer and you're going to get what you want. You know, if you, if there's sort of things hidden or something's Mm. not clear, unfortunately we can get a bit cynical over time because we have been caught in the past where people have done that, but um, you know, just give us lots of, give us lots of information. You know, I love reading a reviewer note that takes up three quarters of the screen and has photos of the hide and tells me exactly how it was hidden and everything else. That's, that's, absolute beautiful because
3: yes. we just go, yep, read it through, yep, all looks good, publish, it's simple.
2: Yeah, yeah, oh,
0: yeah. that's right. Yeah. I'm always
3: suspicious when I see, if I see nothing, then I get suspicious, and especially yep. when people send me these one and two, you know, hide, guardrail, plastic, container, you know, just ridiculous stupidity but, you know, you get that.
0: Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And Rod's even said if you if you can submit a photo, that really helps you guys as well. Is that right?
3: Oh, pictures are great. Picture tells a thousand words.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That it does. That it does. Thanks, God. That's very true. Uh, Just give a quick shout-out to Patrick from Found It Podcast. He's actually joined us all the way from Sweden. So thank you very much for taking the time out. That's awesome, Patrick. That's really wonderful. Thank you. Appreciate that. Okay. So that was that. Um, Now sort of how long does it take – how much time does it take to publish a cache? once you receive the notification email?
2: Well, that's a how long is a piece of string kind of question, <laughs> that one.
0: Okay. <laughs> I guess it uh, What depends on how many notes they give you, how detailed it is.
3: Uh, yeah, yeah, I think well, we answered a lot of that in the last one because, okay. yeah, you know, it, uh, it bails down to can I look at it and get everything I need to know by reading the reviewer note to hit the publish? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: A traditional as part of a power trail, you know, could be, 60 seconds uh a virtual case or a multi or a mystery that has lots and lots of stages in it can take you know we're probably talking 30 minutes by the time you go backwards and forwards a few times with the person and and have a fair bit of detail so yeah it's it's um it, it can really vary
3: oh you said power pay case that that brings up one of my pet peeves in life oh dear what's that People- the people who submit exactly the same listing a thousand times, with because when I review a cache, we have to review each case on its own merit. So I can't just hit publish on one thousand cases because you submitted a thousand cases. I have to review every single case in those one thousand listing to make sure they meet the guidelines. So if I have to review everyone, then you need to submit everyone as if it's a standalone case and tell me, you know, if how it's been hidden and where it's been hidden. It's no good just saying, these are all hidden along a the trail. They could be anywhere up a tree, under a piece of bark or under some stones. I need each listing to tell me what I'm trying to deal with and what you're asking me to publish. And same thing with soft puppet. All the power trails are put under sock puppet accounts and you really need to know, who it is that's going to own that power trail and who it is that's going to maintain it. And that should be on the listing as well, on the reviewer note as well. So that even when I don't say someone else comes along after me or someone else has to deal with it, they then know it's not just local knowledge who that sock puppet account is. Someone else stepping in to review can then pick it up and work with it. That's great.
0: Can I also ask you, you refer to a sock puppet account. Could you just explain uh, what that is, please? (laughs)
3: It's when people use an alias to create an account. So, you know, they have, they, have an, they have an account where they can hide caches and then go out in their caching name and then find them. Right. Okay. To really bumps up your numbers.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, thanks for joining us, Diane. That's awesome. <laughs> that is correct, yeah. Uh, reviewers all have jobs. Uh, they don't sit on the computer 24 hours a day looking for emails to come mm. in so they can uh, publish finds. Uh, so that is right. So I can't publish in five minutes and does take a little time. So a bit of processing time there. Thanks for that, Diane. Appreciate it. And Grub Fred, thank you for joining us. Wonderful to see you here tonight. Hopefully you've got a little Martoonian hand. That would be good. Oh, damn. Uh, now, actually, this might be a little bit more of a tricky question. I'm not sure. Um, I've had someone from the community reach out to me and just ask a couple of questions that they'd like to know. So, is it in your power, or how do you stop the auto-deleting of caches from HQ for unpublished hides? I might throw uh, to you, Matt.
3: Uh, look, I,
2: I would, I would not only give the advice for for this reason, but if you've got a case listing that you're working on, make sure you keep putting reviewer notes on it fairly regularly. You know, if you're if you're working on a listing and we see that there's activity on that listing, if somebody else goes to hide something nearby, then we'll go down and find, we can see that, even though it's unpublished, we'll be able to see it. And if there's if there's recent notes, when I say recent, you know, the last couple of months, mm. um, we'll actually contact you and say, look, I see you're working on this. I've actually got another one in the queue. Um, can I give you a month to sort of get yours under control? And we'll reply back to the other person and say, look, I'm really sorry, somebody else mm. is working on something. That's not a never ending sort of thing though, right? You can't just reserve bulk areas yes. and kind of kind of just keep posting notes. It, there has to be some sort of action. But the best thing to if you're working on a cache page, just make sure you're keeping regular notes on it and then that um, problem sort of stops. The reason the reason we do that is so that we don't get a whole heap of sort of false positives around flags for caches that People aren't really doing anything with. They're just kind of sitting them there. HQ come through every so often and and just kind of clear out um, those older listings for us. Yeah, that's
3: right. Is that really like, yeah, can we stop it? No, Because it's an automated process. The ones that haven't been touched and they're laying idle, we don't archive them. HQ has an automatic process where they're automatically archived.
2: But if you've got one that does come through that gets archived, you've been and you've just forgotten about it, I know lots of people reach out to me. we're more than happy to unarchive them. Just we'll unarchive them and you can um, you can jump on and, and update your listing and hopefully get it published within the next month or so so people can enjoy it. So
0: That's right. That's right. Yeah, just before we move on, I just saw a quick question here relating to our last question. Uh, So how do reviewers balance the workload? Do you have a set weekly time schedule for reviewing caches or do you just do them um, whenever they come in?
2: Oh, look, we can look at it any time we want. I used to get in trouble a lot when I first started reviewing in Queensland People hated the fact that I'm a bit of an, I was a bit of a night owl. I would work till late in the evening and then I would start publishing cases at about 11 o'clock at night. Apparently that interferes with people's oh. sleep routines. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, but pe- people didn't like the fact that they uh, missed out on the chance to get a first to find. So I try and spread that around a bit. But honestly, it's just whenever we get time. Yeah.
0: Are you from the same touch yeah. go?
3: And I like to be chaotic because I think it gives everybody a chance for a first find. Like, you know, like there probably is some predictable parts of my behaviour that everybody have worked out. But if I can, I throw in the odd curveball so someone else might get a chance.
0: Yeah, that's right. And some people like the adventure of going night caching. So, you know, 1am first find is uh, right up their alley.
3: Yep.
2: Uh, just just if I can take you back, I just noticed a mm-hmm. previous comment there from Heidi Gill um, just oh, nice. around uh, some consistency and whatnot. Look, I guess if, if you're getting um, different things from a reviewer or you're, you're, something's not clear or you're being asked for something that you're not sure why, um, you, everyone has always got the opportunity to either go to HQ as an appeal and, and that's mm. really good. Um, in challenging us and making sure that we're doing the right thing for the community. Um, Quite often, we'll actually lodge an appeal on your behalf if we think something's a bit sort of borderline. But I just noticed that the main point that I want to talk about was the wiki page. So um, hopefully, everyone that has ever submitted a case knows that there is a a wiki page for Australia. Um, And in that, there are some very specific Australian things that um, we try to clarify and make sure that uh, we're sort of following the same sort of line. Now, there are some differences state to state. So things like um, the event stacking policy isn't consistent across the countryside. You know, we, we, work, we do work together and try and find something that fits everybody. But, you know, what works for me in Queensland or ACT might not work for John in Sydney or, um, or Bunjil in Melbourne, for instance. So, yeah. If you, if you go to that link and then you can, so there's uh, the stuff that is Australia-wide will be on that page and then you can go from there, you can go to the individual states and and it's got, you know, really specific stuff. Like I think the the Queensland one has stuff about how to deal with caches in national parks because Queensland mm-hmm. national parks have a very specific policy, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So that's, mm-hmm. that's a really good link to make sure it's in the guidelines. It's right at the very top of the guidelines. It says regional geocaching policies. Um, it's a really good one to go and check. Oh,
0: that's awesome, thanks, Matt. So I'll just read out that uh, link address for anyone who's listening back to us later. So it's www forward slash wiki dot forward slash display geo and geo is capital G E O capitals forward slash Australia. So wiki dot groundspeak dot com forward slash display forward slash geo forward slash Australia. Uh, that's got the Australia guidelines and also break down state by state, so you can see the differences there. So thank you very much, Heidi. Thank you for submitting your question. That's
3: and, like, and I've got to agree with me, Matt. Like, it can't be consistent because each of the states are really different in their makeup. So that you know, like here we're the gateway to the outback. Now the sorts of remote cases I publish, you're not going to see in Victoria unless you're talking about the High Country or something like that. But you know, we have desert areas. We've got the Great Victorian Desert and places like that, you know. So there has to be a different approach to how we see things and how we publish. And uh, I think even HQ mentions that somewhere that different states and territories and countries will have different approaches to how things are published. Yeah. You know, this is just going to be a fact of life. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it would be hard that if you were publishing cases all across Australia anyway because you're supposed to be doing them in your own area so that you can look after them and make maintain them. So, you know, it shouldn't really be impacting overly great. But as Matt said, I've always asked that people go to the the, uh, reviewers with HQ if they want to challenge anything that we say or do.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That's good. Thank you for that. Thanks for explaining that. That's great. Uh, Now, the other question I had uh, from the community was uh, how do you stop the auto notifications from HQ when only a couple of people log DNFs on your cache? And why does it get disabled after a few DNFs without attempting to contact the cash owner?
3: Uh...
2: Uh, so I'm happy to answer that one. There's a, um, and I'll, I'll have to try and find the um, point in the guidelines and maybe share it. But, um, once upon a time we used to wait for mm. a, a geocache to get a needs maintenance log on it, um, and then we would wait a little bit of time for the cache owner to respond to that needs maintenance log and then you know we would accept a needs archive log and then the reviewers would get involved. Um, as part of trying to make the game as enjoyable as we can for everybody, we kind of realized that that was a bit of a bad experience for a lot of caches, because they might go and find something that's full of water. It's horrible. The cache owner is not really doing a great thing. So um, Geocaching HQ introduced the health score. Um, and if anyone wants to look in the health, look up the health score in the, in the help center articles, you'll see the detail in there. And it now flags to us caches that have probably got a problem now. It's got an algorithm that sits behind it that we don't get a whole lot. Uh, I can't really tell you a whole lot of exactly how it works, but um, if you know you've got a a case that's a one and a half, one and a half easy find, and it's got a heap of fines and then four DNFs in a row, chances are, you know, if they're not all on the same day by the same group, chances are there might be something that needs looking at. So, as a case owner, um, you really should be going out and having a bit of a look. Um, And I. I'll post a note if I come across one of those saying you got a note recently or I'll disable it. And if it's disabled, it just means it's not a bad thing. It just means no. that there's probably something wrong with your case. You maybe need to have a look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it lets the rest of the community know, hang on, maybe bypass this one until the owner gets a chance to look at it. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. No, That's fair enough. Did you have anything to add to it,
3: Well, I was going to say, like it feeds into the thing about, you know, place caches near your home that you can provide maintenance because it, it always, it doesn't, It never ceases to amaze me that it's such a difficult task to go and have a – when someone says this needs to be looked at and I disable a cache, all you have to do is go look at it, fix it up, and then go, you know, enable the cache and do a maintenance log and do an enable, and then we're on our way. There's no great imposition here. Mm. And like Matt said, it's not a bad thing. It's just if you're providing maintenance, you run out and have a look at it because yeah. uh, some of them drag out for over a year nearly. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, yeah, It's like pulling teeth, getting people to do maintenance.
0: <laughs> oh, dear. So this information that you've just given me here, Matt, uh, I'm not going to read that one out. That one's crazy.
2: Oh, no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'll i put that in the chat for everyone as well. What's that link there for Matt?
2: Uh, so that's the geocaching health score. So it's from the help center articles, um, and it sort of talks – it sits under the ownership after publication and talks about, um, you know, the response from uh, owners is should you get one of those emails that's being referred to. Oh,
0: I can hear. There you are, John.
2: Yep, I can hear and I can speak.
0: Welcome, welcome, welcome back.
4: <laughs> took ages, hey, but I'm back. We got yeah.
0: there in the end. That's good. Better late yeah, than never.
4: it's Windows. I had to reboot it. Oh, Goodness me!
0: It's been behaving
4: technical. itself all afternoon.
0: <laughs> That'd be right, and just when you need it, it's gone.
4: Exactly. As soon oh. as you want to word it, Murphy woke up. He sleeps over here in this cupboard.
0: <laughs> That'd be right. Well, uh, now that we've got you, John, I might just backtrack a little. If you just want to, just give us a quick overview. How long have you been a reviewer? How did you come up with your name? That sort of intro? Oh,
4: God. I put that away. I, I don't know whether I should open that, that bit of paper again. That oh, I it
0: might crash the whole system.
4: <laughs> well, I've got it's, I've got StreamYard running in Chrome, and uh, that's where that document is. Oh, okay. But, uh, yeah, okay, I can guess some of the stuff. Nineteen, uh, In May, I think it was the 19th of May, 2004,
0: mm-hmm.
4: was when I started reviewing. Nice.
0: Okay. Back yeah. when
4: we had pencils and cl- clipboards. <laughs> We still got those.
0: Uh-huh. Oh dear. And how did you come up with your reviewer name?
4: Uh the first one uh that I that I had, that was uh I read a lot of uh Isaac Asimov books at the time. Yeah, thanks Leanne. Uh, and uh, one of the books that I read was iRobot. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, well, that's close. I might just use that and I did. Okay. So that's essentially what it was and uh that was it was back at that time the reviewers in Australia weren't really hiding anywhere. Uh, the the ones before me, the uh the two were two before me used their player accounts. Mm-hmm. And they told me at the time they uh, when I started took over they said well you uh, you probably should have another account simply because you to get everything in that one account. You'll have a mess of messages, you'll have the emails, you'll have the lot. So it was just a matter of separating the two accounts.
0: Yeah, it's a good idea. Good idea. I could see how uh, yeah, once the, the uh, cashes start getting uh, submitted, it would become overwhelming, yeah.
4: Well, that's right, yes. Uh, there wasn't that many but uh, at the time was when I started, but, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was quality over quantity back then.
0: Nice. Okay, then. Yeah.
4: But uh, the second name... Um, Tedelec, uh, I've always liked frogs,
0: mm-hmm.
4: and uh, Tedelec is a frog. Okay. So that's basically what it is.
0: Okay. Nice. Very cute. I do like your um, yeah. your avatar too. It's very cute. Uh-huh. So, so what, the
4: the rocky
1: frog?
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> uh, so then you've been uh, reviewing for a while. Have you noticed um, changes in, in the process of reviewing over the time?
4: Yes, um, it's got a lot more, as the game has grown, it's got a lot more automated. Now, we've got things that help us a lot. When we started, it was uh, when I started, it was um, we didn't have anything really that would go through and do a quick check for us. Uh, if uh, uh, at the time when national parks started uh, throwing their weight around and saying, we don't want any caches in national parks, the only way they could really check those out was to copy the, uh, the uh, coordinates out and drop them into, uh, I use Google Earth. Okay. And then just uh, with the KML file of the, uh, the National Parks and just see whether they're inside that. So mm-hmm. for every case you had to do was copy the cohorts. And if they're a, a multi or they're a mystery, uh, they or multi with a bunch of physical waypoints, it meant you had to copy every one.
0: that's very look manual. It, see what it's
4: like. It was. It was a very manual yeah. process. So these days, it's basically a, an automated thing that just says, well, this polygon uh, is owned by National Parks. You're not meant to be in there. So a little bit of software as a quick look. Ah, okay. It basically does the same thing, but it does it so much faster.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a wonderful improvement for you then.
2: It is. Oh, I remember I remember Street View, John, when I first started, you used to have to copy the coordinates out in, in paste them into Google to have a look at what the Street View shot was so you could get a feel for the, the location. Those sorts of things are now just built into what we do. So Well
4: that's right now you just press yes. the Street View button. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well I was wondering yeah, I that about.
0: if you ever do jump onto Google Maps and do Street View and just sort of see the location, you
4: know? Well, it's all, you do that all a available. Lot. Yeah, it's there. It's uh, it, it's part of there. It, what we what our toolkit is like. You've got your own toolkit. We've got our toolkit, and mm-hmm. part of that is um, is Street View. Okay. And uh, and uh, obviously Google Earth or Google Maps. Really, not so much Earth, but uh, okay. of course that's not built in. But uh, the maps are, so we can look at the cage uh, location on a number of different maps, and uh, get an idea of where it is. Yeah. And uh, Street View to see just you know, what's around at the time. It's amazing the number of people who will put a cache on the roof of a house.
0: Is that just getting the coordinates wrong or taking the coordinates Well,
4: wrong? it's probably taking it wrong, I'd say, more than getting it wrong. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't seem to have the feel for uh, for being able to uh, uh, take the coordinates and, and then look at a map and see whether they're really there. Mm. Yeah. Well, uh, on that point of... too,
0: waypoint averaging.
4: Yes. Uh, well, mm-hmm. there's more to it than just waypoint averaging, but a lot of people don't do that. But right. you've also got to take a look. If you really want to look at this thing, you've got to look at where your constellation is, um, uh, whether the, uh, the satellites you're using are close together or far apart. If they're close right. together, then you're not going to get as accurate a, a fix that if they're further apart. Okay. So there's a number of things that come in. You've got to check and see whether you're not getting reflections off a building. If you're in a built-up area, that happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, that throws out that because it works on time and it's working in microseconds, mm-hmm. uh, just having a little bit longer path because uh, the, the signal's bounced off a couple of buildings, throws it out. Okay. So there's lots of sort of, it's not so much just like a, a point, press, press a button and it's there. It's a matter of, looking around a bit at the surroundings before you take the the cohorts.
0: Fair enough. I got
3: one person in complaining they couldn't get accurate coordinates. They'd been standing under the bridge for 15 minutes and I couldn't understand why it was in the middle of the river. (laughs) They were right next to their cache. (laughs) Yep. yeah, That happens. Uh,
0: Yep. I guess that's uh, when they get the note back saying, please review.
4: Well, you get that back, and you say, "Yeah, please." But then the thing, of course, there's there's two things you can send a note, mm-hmm. but then they've got to read it. Yes. <laughs> you know, I've I've got a theory that I've I, I get theories after a while. I've got a mm-hmm. number of theories, but uh, I've got one that when people get a uh, a bunch of of notes come in on their case, they only read the first one. Mhm. So you send four notes. Mhm. They read one and the, the other the other ones they just don't read right, and because there's a limit on the number of characters you can put in one, you can't really just you know concatenate them all together, especially if you write long ones, yeah
0: yep. <laughs> that's right, yeah. Uh. Just having a quick look through the chat room, I'm just going to go off script here a little. Darren Archer from Queensland has just got a question here. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you think there will ever be a a change to the adoption policy to allow adoption of caches that the cash owner is obviously no longer in the game?
4: No. Uh, I could probably answer that one because I can remember it coming up on the 23rd of September, 2007. And what it is, is the, um, the the actual cache container is not owned by Groundspeak. Mm-hmm. They used to allow adoptions all the time. Uh, and it was basically, oh, can we adopt this case?" Yes, yeah, certainly you can. But the, the, the problem is now, legally, they can't give away something they don't own. Okay. And they don't own the container. Which is why now the adoption process goes through. Uh, you have to, to physically say, Yes, you can give away my container right. by going through the adoption form. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's and what also
3: it I is. think. I think they like caches to be refreshed and they like new caches going out for people to find. So, you know, that I understand there's a historical aspect to mm. caches that have been around a long time. So that certainly suits some sections of the community. But for other people that have been trying to hide something in an urban area and they get very frustrated saying, why can't I find anywhere to put a cache out? Mm. If there's a refresh, you know, it, it helps the new players in the game.
0: Yeah, new real not, estate.
3: Not, not, not something that long-term players want to hear. But...
0: And <laughs> no, we like those old old numbers. Mm. We do, we
3: do.
4: Well, a lot of a lot of people like the locations, as I said. But there's the historical side of things, you know. It's so a they're they're basically uh, getting something that uh, is almost
2: antique.
0: That's right. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah. Uh, the the help center article, the help center did change a number of years ago, though, partially along those lines, to say that um, the uh, container, if if the game believes that the container is abandoned, so the the listing's been archived, but the cache owner has left it out there, then um, somebody else can remove it. So there's at least that ability there now. And I've seen people sort of grab old caches like that and put a new logbook in them and and relist them. But as far as um, just straight out adopting the old listing, I'm not sure that it'll happen. Yeah,
4: well, it's it's the same thing, Matt. Basically, uh, you know, if uh, if it's abandoned and they uh, I, I think it's another one of the little bum cover, covering exercises as well from the legal department because uh, you know if it's abandoned and you, you go out and pick it up and uh, recycle it as a new cache it's different listing, different case. Uh, they don't know anything about it.
0: Mm.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think I think at the end of the day it's about ensuring that there's not geo litter out there. So making mm. sure that you know containers that just get archived by a reviewer perhaps and. And the owner's no longer in the game, then at least it gives an opportunity for somebody to go and collect it. So you can't just up.
0: adopt a cash without the previous owner's uh, communication and handing it over. Yeah.
4: No, uh, Well, it's active. A, yeah. There, there's a form on the uh, on the website. Uh, if you go to slash adopt mm-hmm. uh, it'll you go into a form and it, uh, the owner has to be active because the owner has to go to that, uh, that, to that form and put in the name of the, or, you know, the, the login name or the casing name of the person who they wanted to adopt it, send them a message, and then once they get the message, they just click on it, say if they want it, say yes, and okay. it's adopted.
0: Um, just furthering on from this point here, I've just got an interesting question from Andrea on Facebook. Um, so in regards to um, if a cash owner passes away, is there mm. a, a, a protocol for that? Um, how, how would you know if that uh, cashier is no longer cashing? Somebody tells us. Okay. Mm. Yep.
3: There is a policy yes. on it now, isn't there, Matt, where you can nominate in your profile about passing on cashers in the event of people dying in the community?
2: Well, I vaguely remember seeing something like that, but most of the time it comes across that we'll get an email from a, a cache owner, you know, with some detail, um, you know, a funeral notice or something. And quite often those caches, if they're um, noteworthy, will become what we call community managed. So where the they're either old or whatever, and the reviewers kind of agree to take on some of the the maintenance of the listing you know removing a a needs maintenance um, flag if somebody has gone and replaced a log or whatever Mm -hmm. Um, they're not you know it's not something that happens wholesale it doesn't happen all across the board but there are certainly some old if i think new south wales there are certainly some old two dogs caches that are being um managed like that that are old really quite old school yeah there's
4: also uh, some of uh, darren's caches uh
2: Oh, yeah, yeah
4: uh, not nice. the same way and also um, trying to think uh Ak, son of hack uh strong gecko looks after those Okay. because uh Ak- Ak was a friend of his
3: yep okay. All right. But normally so, yeah. what
4: we do we put a little note on it to say that their community looked after
3: mm-hmm. okay
0: there you go hopefully that answered your question andrea thank you very much um, now this is probably a big topic uh, for you all., um, but what are the most common mistakes that people make when submitting a cache? I know uh, Tedelik you were saying about coordinates uh, being inaccurate.
4: Well, coordinates in the wrong hemisphere is one of the things that turn up. Is,
0: does that happen quite surprisingly uh, a lot, does' it?
4: It does. It can happen quite a bit. Uh, I just pop up something like that, Yes, if I just Hit a button here somewhere, I can throw that over there and just look a little bit different for a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, notice I put a purple background in just Thank for you. Thank you,
0: I appreciate it. And you've mm-hmm. even got the frog, yes. I love it. So, inaccurate coordinates? Yep.
4: Yes, well, you know, if sometimes I find a lot of cases sort of not so much halfway between uh, Australia and New Zealand, but I find quite a few up, um, up floating in the sea of Japan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and... And the, the reason for that is normally that uh, instead of uh, uh, the default on, on the, uh, the site is to for cases to be in the northern hemisphere, right. and uh, if you forget to change the north to the the N to an S, yep. your cases migrate to the Sea of Japan. Fair so that's that's one of the things that uh, that comes up quite a bit. The other thing that comes up a bit too is something on the lines of this. You see. You see something like this where uh, you've got uh, a couple of cases out and you think, oh, I've got all this space over here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh, nobody's put a case there. I'll go and put my case in there. Mm -hmm. But what they don't know, because what doesn't show on the maps that uh, you get to look at, the players get to see, is that this multi down -hmm. the corner here has actually got a few waypoints in a GZ. And they effectively take over all that area.
0: Yes. Yep.
4: Good point. So we get people say, "Well, I had a look on the map, and there was there wasn't any red circle there." Yes. Well, that's because yeah. you don't get to see the red circle. Mm. We do. <laughs>
2: yeah.
4: So there, there are a couple of the things. The other thing that comes up from my side is coordinates. Mm-hmm. The default that. Uh, is used is, um, the degrees and decimal minutes. Mm-hmm. Now, if somebody's using an Android machine, they normally get, uh, degrees, dec- uh, and, uh, decimal degrees, which is the, uh, second one here. Right. And if they want to convert that to degrees and decimal minutes, you multiply the decimal part of the, de- of the de- de- degrees by 60 and suddenly you've got minutes. Okay. If you're running uh, an iPhone, iPhone compass-type thing, then you get the third one down. Its default is de- uh, degrees, minutes, and seconds, mm-hmm. which can be converted by dividing the seconds by 60 and adding the minutes to it. We'll give you a bit decimal minutes again. The one, next one down is ideal if you're into degrees, minutes, and seconds, but it's... Uh, I don't know of any device that has that, like any phone, that has that, uh, I'm talking smartphones now, mm. as a standard. Mm. But the reason that this causes a problem is when we look at the degrees, minutes and seconds, that bluish-coloured rectangle there is the space of one second. Right. Now, I've stuck it up there in Newcastle, but you can see how much area it covers. So, basically, two houses in their backyards. So, if people put out their cohorts, and we get quite a few where they pop them up, and I just, they've done it with degrees, minutes, and seconds,
0: yeah.
4: that they're giving you the space of,
2: of a couple of house blocks to find the location.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. As in, and, be, uh, and, and before someone asks, you don't just bump the difficulty up, you go and get some good coordinates. Right? <laughs>
4: No. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, because it's no 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 because no, it doesn't work.
0: No, no. no. Do it right.
4: Yeah, do it right. Go back and do it again. This is a a, a listing. Uh No, you're not going to see it all because I've got money on top of it. But this is one that popped into me. Mm-hmm. If you have a look at it, well, down here there's no description. It's totally blank. Mm-hmm. Uh no attributes. Attributes are needed in some cases. They're not uh, a requirement, except if you're putting out a puzzle cache or you're putting out uh, a field puzzle or a, uh, trying to think of the other one we need now, a bonus cache. Right. They're basic, and tree climbing caches, they're mandatory attributes. Beacon and UV as well, John. Pardon?
2: Beacon caches, so chirp caches also need a attribute. Oh, chirp and, as well, yeah. yeah. And, I don't get and to U, see many of those. And UV. So if you've got a cache that oh, involves yeah. UV, you've got to uh, specify UV on it yeah. as
4: well. Yeah. The other thing down here is this thing is 2,000 kilometers away from the home coordinates.
0: Ah, uh, it's a bit of a giveaway.
4: Yeah. We see that a bit too.
0: Okay.
4: Uh, it's either people who forgot to change the coordinates. Right. Or they just put anything in to get past a spot.
0: Right, okay. So you mean they, they haven't updated their home coordinates?
4: Yes, well, or else they've just put anything in. Okay. Because if you don't have home coordinates in now, mm. the uh, the system won't let you go any further. Oh, okay. So you've got to put some in. Mm-hmm. They're about the only major points that I had. or well, the other one is where that's where our australian information yes. is kept we talked
2: about that one yeah yeah
4: we talked about that one that's right
2: the big the so big ones for me one uh the big ones for me are guidelines just read the guidelines like when you mm. when you submit a cache you've got to tick two little boxes one of them says that you're agreeing to the terms of use and the other one says that you have read the guidelines just read the guideline there's so oh, yeah. many that's... simple Simple stuff that people submit that just could be picked up if people read the guidelines.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, and look, if,
2: if you're wanting to do something a bit sort of out there, then reach out to your reviewer and have a chat about it. You're better to go to that effort up front, um, check the coordinates. You know, in that example that John showed that had the multi that was taking up area in the park, you can submit a case to us and just check to see if that area is available before you go and start on this. You know, multi-factor um, encryption level kind of puzzle, um, and then find out that, that all of a sudden it doesn't work. Um, but yeah, just read the guidelines, especially challenge cache. You know, the the people that are really good at placing challenge cases, read those guidelines, and they have them sitting next to them, and they and they just work through them. Yeah,
4: exactly.
0: So, is that the best way for people to reach out and ask you questions? Is just submit a cash uh, a cash listing with questions? Yes. Okay. Yeah, they yeah.
3: do Well, I usually, oh, sorry, in, in South Australia, I've always asked them to put, like, stars on either side of the cache name to re- to remind me that it's not a cache for publication. You know, like, I'll get uh, okay. star check this okay. star and then we'll, they'll float the idea of what it is that they're trying to achieve and the waypoints mm-hmm. of what they are. I mean, it's not something I'm wanting for every traditional cache, but if you've got a really great placement that's going to take a bit of effort running it past me first. And, you know, it reserves, like Matt was saying earlier, you can reserve the spot. So I know that they need a couple of months to build this particular clever cache. You know, they've they've identified where the waypoints are going to be, so we've sort of locked that down as well. Okay. Yeah, that's a yeah. good point. One point on that, uh, you
4: don't actually have to submit a listing to the reviewer to save mm. the spot. All you need to do is create a page and save it.
3: Mm.
4: Once it's done and, that, it's in the database and we don't need to see it just to say, oh, you want this spot. You just leave it there and work on it, uh, provided you work on it and it looks like you're continuing to work on it, it'll stay there. okay. And we'll know that it's your spot.
0: And um, if it's inactive for a certain amount of time, it automatically gets archived, doesn't it?
4: If it's inactive, yes, mm. uh, it, it, uh, although that can be... You can put a note on it, and but the thing is, the bot doesn't read notes. So basically, the bots looking at is uh, uh, whether or not there's been activity on it within a certain time limit. Okay.
2: Yep. So, Certainly, post a no, note. Don't just don't just leave it completely blank though, because if um, if we kind of get something that was created six months ago and it's got nothing on it, you know, the case listing's completely blank and there's no note there, you know, chances are yeah. the other person's just going to come ploughing on through. So. Hmm.
3: Yeah, because they've put yeah. the time and the effort, they've placed the case, they've got the case page up and ready and they've submitted yep. it to us. Mm-hmm. Yep. So.
2: But if it's yeah, got a heap of detail in it and it says, I'm still mm-hmm. working on this, I'm just trying to finalise my container purchase from Taiwan or whatever, mm-hmm. um, then um, th- we're, we're going to pick that up and go, oh, hang on, they are actually doing something there. So. Yeah.
3: yeah. No but there's a lot of other simple things to avoid too, like, putting um, company and business names into your description, commercial content. I can knock a lot oh, back yeah. for commercial content. Like, mm-hmm. There's a great bakery right here. Stop and have a cake and, you know, yeah. telling people to visit a shop because the food's great. And, and also we said about um, mentioning competing products. They don't like, Graham Speak doesn't like you mentioning path tags or, you know, other games that are a similar and sort of thing. So, yeah.
2: Talking yeah, talking about, that's... yeah, yeah, La Paz, this is an awesome place to pull in and get a feed, you know, with a big link to their website. It's probably not great. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I'm sure you get a lot <laughs> of innocent anything. people
0: just, you know, trying to refer people to say, you know, there's food and drink nearby and not realising that.
4: Well, so, yeah. you can put food and drink mm. because that's generic. Mm. But if you want to put down that this is Mrs. Brown's famous tuck shop, then that's yeah. a bit of a problem. Right, mm. okay. But uh, so, so it's a matter of being non-specific. okay. Uh, Otherwise, once you start being specific about it, uh, you're running into the problem
0: Mm
3: of uh, promotional text.
0: Ah, Okay. Yep, that is a good and agenda
3: as well too. I mean, that plays a part sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, we get cases that people have an agenda like heart disease and (laughs) cancer and all sorts of blanket appeals. And I haven't seen a lot of that nowadays, but certainly in the past, used to get a lot of support. This. Yeah. um, I want Someone yeah, that, wanted to create a yeah. case where you dropped off blankets and another one wanted a case where you dropped off cans of food and someone wanted one where you could donate money to his wife who had you know, had died from cancer. Oh, okay. so, wow. so, you know, yeah. those sort of agenda things. Yeah. Do, come to my case yeah. because you'll get fit and healthy. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. You're not supposed to be telling okay. people what they should be doing or what they should be thinking. Mm.
4: Mm. Yeah. You're also another one too, you can't... Uh, like honour a, a group. You can honour a person with a case, but not a group.
0: Right,
4: okay. So we can put a case out and say one for Matt here, he's a great guy, it'll go through. Mm-hmm. But if somebody wanted to put one out uh, for the RFS, mm. no. Okay. Or the SES or anything, mm. no, because it's a group. Right. But one person within the group is okay. okay.
0: So that will fall sort of under that advertising promotion... Mm. Sort of uh, comes under, yeah. Uh,
4: yeah, general sort of stuff, yeah, yeah. okay.
0: Right. And then we get that now, there's other
3: things too, like what America calls call to arms, which are things like lest we forget, you know, like, yeah, things like that.
4: But, but then again, that's that's on their side of the uh, the pond, yeah. Some of the things that America gets annoyed about up there, are out here, of uh, we, we don't seem to worry too much about them, like cases under bridges and things. They're worried because every time anybody goes under a bridge over there, they think they're going to blow it up.
0: That's right.
4: Whereas here, you know,
0: it doesn't happen. Yeah.
2: So the, the, the line for an agenda, I guess, crosses into when you're really telling somebody to do something, feel something, say something, yeah. you know, um, you know, asking for a donation or please spare a thought for the thousands of people that died in the tsunami or, you know, whatever it might be, that's that's where it crosses into the agenda.
3: Level. Yeah. We okay, have we got anything else?
2: Yeah, well, there was, there was a question in the, Heidi put one back at really? 8.23 around uh, some of the older multis um, have some, have physical waypoints. Um, oh, yes. Uh, so, uh, look, there are certainly older caches out there that have uh, physical waypoints that probably either are now or always have been virtual waypoints. Um it's a bit of a blurry kind of line. If somebody has kind of made those physical, I'll t- generally tend to write them a note, but I can't force somebody um, necessarily to change them. There's kind of a couple of different schools of thought there, but it's, um, you know, typically the the main ones we come across are the old puzzle cases um, where people haven't listed the starting cohorts as um, virtual. Um, and we kind of pick up those as part of our re- regular sort of roaming around the, the listing so but if you've got a specific one that you want to call out um maybe not in the chat heidi just drop us a note and, and we can certainly have a look at them for you and, and see what we see if we can give somebody a nudge cool. thanks
4: for that i normally go through them and if uh if, if like if there's one sitting there and it's it looks to me like it's blocking a uh, a case obviously somebody's put a listing and one of these waypoints pop up on one of those cases i'll normally read through the thing and if i can uh uh, I'm probably quite happy in in so uh, saying. Yes, there's definitely nothing at that particular point. Then I'll just change it, Like I'll make a note that it's virtual, and ignore it in saturation tests. The other thing that um, on the same line that it pops up too, there are a number of older Maltese out there, and also mysteries that don't have the Ju-Z down. Oh, okay.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Yes, but if they if the G Z is not there, we don't know where they are. Right. Mm-hmm. And if we don't know where they are and you want to put a case three feet away from it you can
0: okay and is that just because it's an older cache and the guidelines were different
4: the guidelines changed yes the guidelines mm-hmm. started out the original guidelines were about four words oh have fun <laughs> put the case that was when and then they started out they started out with with basically uh, you know just a few words and then there mm-hmm. was nothing about uh, the, the saturation, there was nothing about the uh, uh, need to put in the, your uh, waypoints. Right. Basically, all you need to do is put in your published coordinates and that was it. Okay. Um, because they, they weren't worrying about anything else. And it's only when the, they, started to, they started to worry about where cases were um, and where the waypoints were located, mm-hmm. uh, basically because I think some of the national parks in America, are pretty strict on uh, what they can and can't do in them. That this, they started doing that. They started coming out that these, these, this happened. Well, a mm. number of uh, my early player cases don't have uh, uh, the finished cohorts in for the reason mm. that they just weren't required. Huh. There was no database to keep them in, in those days, okay. as far as I know. That's
3: interesting. Well, that's- yeah, we had one in Adelaide. I remember like that. That that you had to run all around Adelaide, and then somebody put out a traditional about three feet away from the final. Because it wasn't documented,
4: and then yeah, people were but,
3: finding the wrong case. <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah, well, there's, there's one I know in New South Wales that's like that too. The mm-hmm. the uh, it's an old uh, it's an old case. Uh, the final wasn't is not isn't documented, and uh, I know where it is because I found it a um, long time ago. But um, there's a new case that's very sitting very close to the to it, probably just below it. I'd say.
2: Yep. But then again, of course, it's not documented. Wow, well, I've seen so Andrea commented a bit earlier about the, the problem with premium cases that um, you know, sometimes you don't even know they exist as a basic member. I've had somebody hide a, yeah. a brand new cache in the same hollow as there was already a cache hidden and they just hadn't moved the sticks and stuff that were oh. inside the hollow. Um, well, I put it on top, did they? Yeah, put it, put it on top. I kind of went back to them and said, while well, you were placing this one, you didn't happen to find another case because, uh, yeah. you know, she literally took a photo of where the other one is. So, yeah. um, you know, it, it happens.
3: Yeah, well, it does. Yeah. I got I had two either side of a park bench once, that was just oh, ridiculous. That's because <laughs> yeah. people weren't looking, they're not thinking there's a cache there, they're
0: yeah. placing their cache. That's right, yeah, they didn't yeah. check. exactly, yes. Mm. That's right, yeah. Um, I just got an interesting question here from Leonie on Facebook. Uh, she said recently, uh, she looked at a cache listing and there was an automatic download on the page yeah. with no warning is uh is that part of a
3: the possible. guidelines oh. I thought uh, they just uh, all Java and stuff
0: it depends on what it
4: was if it was down if it was just a uh, uh well it actually shouldn't be automatic <laughs> download any file really it that uh, oh, run well? that in the browser right. but what was sort of file was it yeah. was it an, an exe or was it a uh, was it a a pdf file that was coming there Automatic downloading sounds like she had that set up on her browser.
0: Right, okay. Yeah, well, you would think they would stop that so malicious uh, files didn't get automatically downloaded.
2: I I reckon at a guess it's probably, like it certainly wouldn't have been on the geocaching page. I dare say it's one of those puzzles that probably links through to multiple other pages and somebody's created a a page potentially. Um, But certainly, Leonie, to answer your question, no, it's not allowed. Without some sort of warning to say, um, you're downloading a file, as clearly noted in the guidelines, um, that uh, and without that, it, um, it it shouldn't be allowed. So, and I've certainly published uh, puzzle cases that haven't had a whole lot of text on the uh, on the listing page, except for "you are about to download a file," <laughs> uh. Um, uh, with a disclaimer. So, um. yes, right, all right, yes, Jono.
4: Melbs at 8.38 thirty-eight has asked when will seatows be published in New South Wales? He wants to host one early December. He can do that, yeah. Yeah, we are New South Wales has now lifted all its limits uh, for vaccinated people, so uh, big, uh, up to a thousand, I think. Right. So if you can get a thousand people together, you're right.
2: Yeah.
0: So for the yeah.
2: ACT, for for the ACT, because I know there's a few ACT people. Um, the the. Again, that wiki that we talked about earlier has the descriptions for what's allowed in um, as a national number. The state has to allow gatherings of 80 people or more before events will be published in that state. So for the ACT, I think we're currently at 30 um, with a plan to go to 100, I think, is the next step. Um, so uh, events can't be held until, um, until they get over that until uh, I get over that 80 mark. And that's just to make sure that we don't have any sort of illegal... Um, oh, there you go, Heidi's just said they're fully lifted Friday. So um, uh, that's just to make sure that there's no issues with um, people gathering illegally, so. And
4: South so Australia... Heidi asked, went, oh. Heidi asked an earlier one up here about what, how does that work? I think she so was about, about honouring things. What about the whole SES GeoArt? GeoArt's okay. That's just a bunch of different cases. It's not on okay. one cache.
2: So I think her point, John, is that series of caches are all about the SES. And you mentioned before that you can't honour a group. I but it doesn't honour why... I don't think it actually honours them. Uh, just the way you described might have been a little bit conflicting for people. Oh, so okay. Might...
3: Yeah. Can I jump back, though, with the COVID thing? Because everyone said about their state. But South yep. Australia, we're currently on level one. So you have to have a COVID safe plan, not a management plan, a safe plan and a local marshal at your event okay. if you're going to hold an event outside. And if it's inside, it's fine because nearly every place has a COVID safe plan. Um, I just ask that people send me the capacity of the venue they're going to use so that I can check that people will be able to go to the event without being turned away. Okay. Uh huh. Uh-huh.
0: And then uh, Leonie's come back uh, regarding her automatic download question. Uh, she said, yeah, you're hmm. correct, Matt. It took you to an external website. As soon as you type the URL, a file downloads. I tried it on multiple devices and did the same thing on each. It was only recently published too, so. Oh, okay.
3: So typing the URLs is interesting. Yeah. So I'd go back, to the,
2: the URL? Go, go back to the publishing oh. reviewer, Leonie, if it was mm-hmm. me or... Um, Bundle or John knowing exactly where it is, then um, maybe uh, just get them to have a look at it. I think is the best way to deal with it. Yes.
0: Hopefully that helps. you the
3: thing that that was a question that was mentioned earlier, wasn't it, about what do you do if you come across a cache that you don't think is, you know, has been buried or isn't proper? Mm. Yep. You know, what can we do about this? And like we we're saying, contact the reviewer. So, you know, yeah. if you have concerns about something that's on private property or buried or is a problem, then, yeah, you can always email the publishing reviewer.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's
2: right. That's the easiest way. Okay. Yeah, post the needs. Like, if it's just a general problem with the case, you know, it's mm. been abandoned or it's full of water, then use the needs archive log. They get picked up. Um, we'll say, though, at the moment with COVID, we have kind of backed off a little bit on the needs archive just because people couldn't travel around um, outside of their LGAs and and whatnot, we didn't want to be overly harsh and go archiving somebody's pride and joy when they legally couldn't go and get to it. But you know, in the certainly by the end of this month, we'll start swinging back into that full swing, and then um, you know there'll be a requirement for people to to go out and maintain their caches within a timely manner. That's
0: right. So um, yeah. Heidi's come back. She reckons that the uh, the SES caches is actually honouring the SES. Uh, yeah. come there. Can I honour a group and mentioned SES? I asked about the SES geo art and how that falls into his statement. So, yeah, I have to have a look. Yeah,
4: well, Tell Dave I'll investigate these cases.
0: There you go. Heidi, someone's on I it. Have... I mean, yeah, I've come a
3: couple of CF, um, SES cases recently, but all they were was the building outside. Like you went to the building, you got the numbers off the building, and that took you to a final... There was nothing mentioned about what they did or what happened or or anything else beyond this is the building. Yeah, <laughs>
4: okay. Yeah, well, that's fair enough.
3: I don't remember anything
4: that stood out with Dave's cases either for that matter, although it's dim in my memory. Oh, been out there for a while.
0: Thanks, Annie. Appreciate your uh, kind words. It was mm-hmm. uh, The whole point of tonight's show was to be informative and educational and get your questions answered. So thank you for joining us, Annie. Appreciate that. Uh, Mike is- some- what was that?
3: I was going to say, there's something from the past. I noticed someone, Susan Gardner, is saying that it's not a GA cache. We we don't come across that as much as we used to. No.
0: <laughs>
3: yeah. I remember at Wagga finding a GA cache right next to a GC cache. <laughs> mm. Yeah,
0: Susanna said, uh, we have a cache container close to the end of a multi. Lots of people sign it thinking that it's the multi. No one knows what the cache What cache that is, also not
3: a GA cache. That's that's why it's so important
2: to label your cache. Label your cache, (laughs) put a GC code on it, make sure people get the right one.
4: And put a little note
2: inside saying
4: this is not the right cache.
2: Yep, There are certainly some caches, and I know the Mid-North Coast has a few of them as well, that um, there's two caches up the one tree, and one's a GA and one's a GC. That's that. That gets a little bit yeah. challenging. Mm. There's a few around. It's, it's,
4: it's actually just to make sure people can read.
0: <laughs> just checking.
2: But, but I guess the prox- for people's benefit, we don't check for proximity against other listing services. Right. For, um, yeah, so that's just right. To ge- geocaching.com. Yeah. Well, Thanks, Houston, yeah, well, Texas, well, we, Dave. Thanks for joining
0: can't. us. Have a good day, mate. Uh, all righty. Um, I might just get close to wrapping up, seeing as uh, we have taken so much time. So one last happy question to end on. Uh, do reviewers get have a special get-together or a Christmas party at the end of the year?
4: There is <laughs> one, but not here. I was going to say, it had <laughs> to be virtual at this point in time, yeah. wouldn't it? We have a virtual one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the rest yeah. of us. There is one. In America, there is one. Uh, I think uh, Andrew might talk about it. I think he, he went to it one time.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I think we've got a picture as well. I went to a big reviewer. Yeah, let me just put that there. No, that's the, the one, one. in uh, Melbourne.
0: That's the one in Melbourne and this is the one. Yeah, this is the one.
3: That was in Seattle. There so there's, there's the occasion reviewers from all around the world in there and there's even up the back is Cathy who's a HQ lackey, who used to look after me and I suppose some of the others here in, in Australia. So we, yeah, it still does. Yeah. That's awesome. So, well, Cindy's taken over so Uh, we
2: certainly we certainly have gotten together at at various times around the world so um quite often reviewers will just catch up sort of uh either just as a a, a, uh impromptu kind of catch up but typically if there's big events um we'll we'll try and catch up with a few others i've certainly you know gone caching with uh with american reviewers in um san diego a couple of years ago and and caught up with people in in hq oh that's andrew You got a question here from Sandy Spink who
4: wants to know about uh, cooked food in South Australia and barbecues.
3: Oh yeah, because I was on the phone for about twenty minutes with the COVID government line, and mm. so communal food means that, like I queried about a barbecue, and um, you're only supposed to have one person looking after the food and distributing the food. There's so there's not so you can actually have a barbecue, but they can't and they don't want people congregating at the table where the food is served from. It should be maintaining that social distance, 1.5, like one person goes up at a time and comes back and gets the food and there should be like one person cooking and and, and one person handing out the food. It's supposed to be minimal, you know, um, handling, but you can actually do it. So it is, yes, only is that okay, yes. So, yes, you can have a barbecue, Sandy.
2: You're going to throw your. you like said you've got, to,
3: you've got to give me the. the you've got to submit a COVID-safe plan, and you've got to have a marshal who's going to watch your event, and you've got to have you know restrictions on who's preparing and distributing the food. And you really shouldn't. And they were aghast at the idea of um, picnic games. You know, like I sort of said, like a tug of war and stuff like that. And they said, unless people are 1.5 meters apart on the road, <laughs> they don't think that would be a very good idea. Yeah.
2: Just read, oh, what have read we got there. Read your, read your local local restrictions. Honestly, the best thing. To I do try to keep read...
3: that. That's pretty much. It's, we're, like I said, we're at level one restrictions at the moment. So, and uh, the 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 web link for the COVID line is on that page in the geocaching reviewer. You got the local policy, for South That's Australia. That.
0: Excellent. All right. Well, uh, Kitty Catch, thank you. I'm um, glad you have enjoyed tonight's discussion. And thank you uh, to all viewers who are live. Thank you for respectful questions and uh, being respectful to uh, our lovely guests who have taken the time out of their, their day to, to come onto the podcast and hopefully provide us all with a little bit more information so that we are better prepared and we can hide better quality caches. And provide the information to the reviewers so we don't get that uh, frustrating back and forwards that we all try to avoid so much. So uh, thank you, everyone. That has been awesome. Now, fellas, stay with me. I'm going to move on to our next section, which is the photo comp of the month. So everyone stay put, and uh, we will move on to the next section.
1: you think I've got a chance, do you reckon? What for? Oh, how about the calendar photo of the month? <laughs> Let's see this month's winner.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Thank you very much for that intro, shell Very much appreciated. Okay, so this month we had quite a few entries into the photo comp as well. So thank you very much for everyone who submitted and all voted. Check out our Facebook page. You can see all the entries. Uh, it is pinned to the top of the page so you can see this month. But this month's winner is, let me just get prepped here. So this month winner da, 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 is... Sheridan Davis, congratulations, Sheridan. That is awesome. That is your picture there. So you are welcome. Hopefully uh, hopefully you uh, will buy a calendar and you can see that one in the 2022 GDU calendar. So this one is titled, uh, what is it titled? <laughs> it is titled Consulting with the Deaf Cachers, and this one was taken recently in the Queensland Outback Geocaching Muster in the Peru Shire in Western Queensland. Uh, so, this was taken during a four wheel drive night caching trek. It looks like a fantastic adventure, and uh, I love all the colors and the movement in this picture. So, thank you very much, Sheridan, for submitting that one. You'll be able to see your picture in the calendar. And let me get rid of that there for you. So, um, I know I have been slacked this month, but I will get the next uh, Photo Comp picture up on the Facebook page so you can all submit your entries into uh, the next Photo Comp. Uh, if you would like to contact us, though, you can do so through email. So, all you got to do is send me an email at geocachingdownunder at gmail.com. Let me know if there is a specific topic or a guest uh, that you would like discussed or talked about, and I will do my best to bring that to you. And uh, let's get on to the next section, which I think is probably most people's favorite. It is prize time. So, let's get on to the prizes.
1: Oh, say, can you see? <laughs> pce i heard that geostuff.com.au that's right geostuff.com.au is your main sponsor how cool are they thank you so much to john and Die from geostuff.com.au i heard you got some prizes this month hmm let's get to the prizes
0: excellent thanks again sms really appreciate that and thank you to all the live viewers for joining us live uh, really appreciate your support. And uh, now we have a prize from the lovely folks at geostuff.com.au. So this month there is two prizes. If you've been uh, paying attention to our socials, you would have seen them posted uh, late last week. But prize number one, let me put that on the screen there for you so you can see what you're all playing for. There it is there, the 20 Years Project Ape Geocoin. So one lucky person will win this Geocoin. So that is the coin there. Now, to win that GeoCoin, what I'm going to need everyone to do is get ready with fast fingers in the comments section. Hopefully you've been paying attention to the whole program and I want to know what date did Touching Girl become a reviewer? We did talk about it earlier in the show. Put your answers into the comments. Go, go, go. Mm -hmm. I want to know what date did Touching Girl become a reviewer? So hopefully you are paying attention and uh, you know the answers. I will settle for month and year. It doesn't have to be the exact date. I wouldn't expect you to uh, remember it that well. But uh, month and year, whoever gets the closest, uh, pop it into the chat room there. So that is good. I can see some questions coming through now. So let me just uh, put on some thinking music while you all get your answers in. First one to answer correct or near enough will be the winner of this awesome 20 years ape cash Geocoin. So let me pop that on the screen there. This is what you're all playing for. Oh, close. <laughs> That's it there. <laughs> I want to know uh, when what date did Touching Girl become no, a-, we have a winner. <laughs> there we go. Looks like we've got a winner already. Alrighty. Now, let me just go back through the comments here. Let me just make sure I've got the right date. <laughs> wow very quick there very quick looks like to me it was elizabeth lewis so thank you very much elizabeth lewis you were correct <clears throat> awesome work all right elizabeth i will be in touch with you and get you that uh, get you that coin on the way so thank you very much elizabeth now For prize number two, prize number two, prize number two, here it is here. Prize number two is hide a cash kit. It is a small, so you get the Sistema container, you get the right in the rain logbook. you get a pencil, you get a travel bug, a little compass, and you also get the first to find coin token there, and also the geocaching logo pin. So this is prize number two. So once again, get ready in the chat room. I have a question for you. You are very welcome, Elizabeth. You are treasure that coin. Alrighty, here is the question I want to know to win that hiders kit. Wasn't mentioned in the show, so hopefully you know your rules. In New South Wales, urban areas, how many hours time difference is required between the end of one event and the start of another if the two events are within thirty kilometers of each other? I'll read that one well, again.
2: If, if only there was a wiki to find out that kind of answer. <laughs> yeah. That's
0: right, if only there was. But, uh, you know, maybe some someone should have thought of that earlier. Oh, dear. Let me put up that wiki there. So if you are, are not aware, that is a very convoluted question. So let me pop that there. I'll read the question again oh, for yeah. you Alrighty, so in New South Wales urban areas, how many hours' time difference is required between the end of one event and the start of another if the two events are within 30 kilometres of each other?
3: So, I'll go with the six pack.
4: <laughs> mm,
3: oh, look at this, I think.
0: <laughs> Alrighty, let me see.
4: Oh, somebody's throwing darts at a wall, but look at this.
0: <laughs> Alrighty, I am going back to the first. Of that one there. Hopefully you're all paying attention. Looks like I've got a winner. So congratulations. I believe you were first. Suzanne, Suzanne Gardner, congratulations. That is correct. It is a four-hour time difference between the end of one event and the start of another if it is within 30 kilometres of each other. So congratulations, Suzanne. I will be in contact with you after the show and uh, get out that small hide Kate Caching kit to you, which is that one there. So you get all of that there on the screen, and that will be coming to you very shortly. So, once again, congratulations! Uh, keep an eye on the letterbox for that one. There we go. Alrighty, so that is the end of the prizes. Uh, we will uh, be in touch with people who won so thank you very much and if you aren't already please remember to like subscribe and hit the notification bell especially in uh youtube there you go join us on our socials facebook instagram and twitter don't forget to write in with your stories and or your questions anytime you can do that via our email address which is here at Under at gmail.com that is that there thank you very much Okay, massive thanks to our sponsors, Laney at LK Consulting Group, uh, for the marketing, mentoring and also the where is I've just lost it. Coaching program. That's it. Geostuff.com.au for our monthly prizes and support. Thank you very much. Special thanks to my mum for her support, uh, helping to pay for some of the cost of bring in the show to you every month. That is awesome. Now quick shout out from uh, our predecessor here
1: just before you leave PC, i've got to say this to all those out there listening a big thank you so much for continuation of your support for the geocaching down under podcast i think purple cash eater or as i call her pce is doing an absolutely fantastic job now if you think she's doing a very fantastic job as well and as you should then maybe you can skip one coffee a month and have a look at patreon go to patreon.com forward slash geocaching down under if it's not that then she'll put the link there somewhere so make sure you go to patreon at like three dollars a month less than a cup of coffee and you can help support this particular good old down under australian podcast i know i'm a patreon
0: Awesome. Thanks, SMS. Really appreciate that. So that is the Patreon address there, www.patreon.com forward slash gdu podcast. You can donate. We have a few different levels there, so as little as $3 and all the way up to $11, up to you. Quick Patreon shout-out to all of my current Patreons. Thank you very much for the support we have. See my shell all the way from America, Kitty Catch, Green Cordial, Kingfisher AU, Snappy Tomcats, Julie, Darren Archer, Captain Roverman, DTY, Wollaston, Banj5150, Jamie backwards and Houston, Texas Dave, all the way from Texas in America. Thank you very much. Couldn't do the show without you. Really appreciate it. So once again, thank you so much for being here live and thank you to all the replay viewers and listeners. Really appreciate your support. You can watch the replay on YouTube or listen via podcast apps such as Spotify. Uh, You can also listen on Anchor as well. So the next show will be coming to you on December 14th. So that will be still in daylight savings time, 7.30 daylight savings time. Thank you very much. So one quick goodbye from all of us. And uh, hope you enjoyed the night. Hope you found it uh, informative and have learned some things and now know how to be a better hider. <laughs> and once again, thank you, all three of you, very special guests. I really appreciate you coming on and uh, putting a face to uh, the reviewers' names and uh, really giving us some information that we can all learn from. So thank you very much.
4: Thank you. No it's good. <laughs> yeah, thank you.
0: Excellent. Well, everyone, enjoy your night and we will see you next month.